Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the goddamn podcast. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast with Jordan Strauss and Sam Laboon. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How you doing? Doing all right. Ah, seasons of change are upon us, aren't they, Samuel? Uh, yep. It's like that uh, song says: "Seasons change." Yeah. It's that, yeah, that song did say that. <laughs> Seasons change. You're a friend. I've been waiting on you. What? Which one are you talking about? Oh, I meant like in terms of the season. You mean the summer? Summertime? Yeah, and just life events. I had my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had, I don't know if you want to talk about your thing, but I'll talk about mine. It's totally up to you. I don't want to get into your business. No, hit, hit uh, me. Hit me. Uh, well, you want you if do you want to talk about this? Because we don't have to talk about this. Um, you talk about your thing first, and I'll think okay. about it while you're talking instead okay. of listening. Uh, okay. Well, it's not for you; it's for the listeners. <laughs> Actually, most of our listeners were there in person. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this weekend, me and my wife Chelsea finally got to do our wedding reception over a year after getting married. Uh, obviously we couldn't do it when she was in treatment. So we got to do it. We had, a, uh, unfortunately you couldn't come, Sam. You're like one person that couldn't make it. I know I was, I really wanted to be there. Oh, well, we'll do it next time. <laughs> um, they, uh, we rented out a hall in my town and we jam packed it full of food and booze and, uh, pretty much everyone I know personally. And, uh, I played some music with my family. Uh, some comedians did some speeches. Kyle Ferris, Andrew Verge, Andrew Crone, Kate Belden, Bonnie Essen. They all did speeches. And then some non-comedians, yes. our mutual friends, Jordan Swetlikoff. Shout out if you're listening. And Jade Hallett. They both took the stage. Um, oh, wow. Yes. Luckily, by then, the booze was flowing. So everybody was having a good time. <laughs> And then there was a good solid dance party after, and it was just a good time. I haven't seen that many people uh, that I know personally in one place since, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had that many people I know in one place. So it was pretty cool. And um, it closed. It felt like the end, the last chapter coming to an end of the COVID cancer saga. Mm, um yeah because i was just talking to my wife and we realized that in our almost five years of being together we've only had six months where there was no pandemic or threatening illness in our life so oh my god that's we're finally that's back on track yeah we're finally back on track uh, to hopefully a couple of years of normalcy before the nukes drop or ai comes and makes us suck them off or something <laughs> um on iverson yeah. So I am uh, stoked to get back into just, it was just busy, busy, busy planning this thing. And uh, we had family in town and uh, it's just been, so we're finally back to like, this is just regular life. We work our jobs and we have fun on weekends and that's the plan and for the foreseeable future. So I'm stoked to be back in what hopefully is a normal era of life. It was an unstable era. And now it is a stable era to, to call <laughs> to, back to, to quote, uh, to, yeah. to quote three body problem. Once again, nice. <laughs> they should sponsor this. They should sponsor the <laughs> podcast. They should. eh? Yeah. 
Well, that's that's very good news. Um, mm-hmm. I really wish I could have been there. I uh, I definitely would have been there, um, but unfortunately, I had a uh, unfortunate event happen um, that sucked up all the money in my bank account. Yes, uh, these things do happen. Yeah. So uh, Jordan is aware, but listeners, dear listeners, I uh, broke up with, or I should say, we broke up. I, I wasn't the breaker upper. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a mutual thing. Um, you came to an understanding that things uh, were not going to continue in a positive direction. <clears throat> yeah, unfortunately. Very, very sad. But uh, yeah, hopefully in time, seasons change. Life goes on. Life goes on. And you know what? You learned. You learned, you learned a lot, I'm sure, about, you know, relationships and uh not all that glitters is gold sometimes i guess yeah yeah well bygones bygones the past is just a dream that sort of thing well um, you gotta think uh <laughs> you you have a new you gotta focus on your newfound independence and freedom you don't have to have anyone's consider you don't have to consider anyone else's schedule or feelings but your own that's gotta be i mean that's that's a luxury there's a luxury it's true it's true it, it is a luxury i can uh set my own hours yes um, i can put up my own pictures on the walls <laughs> yeah i can uh have there's my no own one conversation myself <laughs> yes there's no yeah. one dictating what you can can or cannot do besides i guess the government at this point yeah, but even then, they let you do it first, and then they punish you. Yeah, after. then they... So as long as you're fine with the consequences, <laughs> you can do whatever you yes. want. <laughs> well, I would take this time, this new season in your life, to focus on things that make you happy. Get, get write some new jokes, meet some new people. You I know, did. I wrote a new joke that I'm I'm back on all the single people apps like oh, Better yeah. Help and Kijiji. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I had my only significant breakup I've had in my life, I had a period of creative, uh, a a creative burst, which I think happens Mm. when people like you and I go through difficult things. You, it comes out in a burst of creativity. Cause I remember I wrote like a good 15 minutes in a very short 15 minutes of new material in a very short amount of time after that breakup. And then, uh, yeah, no, I can relate to that. Yeah. I wrote a bunch when of my wife was diagnosed, I, I had, uh, it was like, a, it's a whole new, exp- it's an intense experience and that always manifests on stage at some point. True. Very true. Yeah. I, I definitely wrote a bunch of, uh, not like jokes about my breakup, but just jokes about random shit for some reason. Yeah. Yes. I think that is the mind is under, a, a, it's being squeezed emotionally and stuff yeah. leaks out. Um, they, there's a great movie called Barton Fink, um, and in that movie, the thesis is that all art comes from pain. Well, I don't know about all art, but definitely comedy. <laughs> yeah. I'd say comedy is very uh, most uh, prem like joke premises. If you take out the punchlines, are just sad statements. <laughs> Oof. Ouch! Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, if you think about it, there, a lot. Of, if you if you don't t- if you take if you just take it as whatever the whatever the statement of fact is in the in the joke, it's usually not a positive uh, statement. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I see. I know what you mean. You need. You I need just conflict. started watching. Yeah, you do. You need. You need conflict, and uh, we don't really tend to laugh at things that go well, unless no. it's like really unexpected. Yes. Most of the time, we laugh at things that go poorly. Well, I was actually I realized this the other day because I've been watching uh, a variety of sitcoms. I would sign. I like me and Chelsea cycle between when we're just like want something on the background. We cycle between like Seinfeld, New Girl, How I Met Your Mother, and Friends. Like all like besides Seinfeld, they're not like genius comedies, but they are something to have on in the background. But I realized is that in these shows, especially shows like The Office or something the characters don't laugh very often in the shows, right? True. If you were in the room <clears throat> with them, there's going to, they're not thinking any of this is funny for the most part. It's only on the, as an outside observer, does it, does it, is it funny? So like if you watch That's the so office, there's, there's almost no one, like if you were actually in that office with them, you would think this place is miserable, right? No one's ever laughing. Yeah. I, I heard the key to writing good comic a good comic character is that they can't be aware that anything they're involved in is, is funny. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that next time you, listener, next time you watch a sitcom, try and count how many times any of the characters actually laugh out loud during an episode. It's probably <laughs> at, at most you get a chuckle. Um, I was also thinking of, uh, this is actually, uh, I was thinking about trying to do a joke about this, but I don't think there's anything really more to it, but there is a, there, there is when you do a laugh track because lots of sitcoms like How I Met Your Mother was not done in front of a live audience, right? But there are different scales of laughter, right? Uh, in response to these, yeah, to the punchline. Yeah. So someone's in there deciding how funny each joke is and how much laughter <laughs> it it merits, right? Because on one hand, you you can't be pressing the you can't be cranking the laugh track up to ten after every punchline. That would be sadistic. No. So you do kind of have to bring it down and say, okay, that one wasn't that funny. It'll get a four. <laughs> like I want that guy's job. I just want to ju- judge everybody oh, else's punch. Just a soundboard of different laughs. That you yeah, can put on jokes. <laughs> yeah, I get to be the guy who decides how funny each episode is. Really. That's so. That's true. You're you're the arbiter of humor. Yeah. <laughs> the exactly. judge. <laughs> yes, judge, jury, and executioner of laughter. <laughs> um. So that's big changes in our lives. We're moving forward. We're still very inconsistent with the podcast, but you know what? Things, man, things happen. Yeah, it'll be easier now. But yes, hopefully. Um, less. Yeah, less stuff. Uh, to deal with <laughs> yeah exactly well do we have you said i'm i mean obviously you didn't have much time to prepare for this episode as far as a lesson i thought we were going to talk about ai at some point we are yeah we okay. are we finally are yeah are we doing that today we're doing that today okay let's do it uh should i open up chat gp did you want to ask it questions or did you want to just talk about the implications uh, maybe, maybe later yeah maybe maybe if we have time at the end we could ask it some questions but okay i think we need to talk about it first did you ever end up watching that uh ai the ai dilemma the video i sent you of those guys doing their little talk about it yes i watched it one and a half times oh there you go <laughs> yeah and yeah it was it was very uh very interesting um and then I also watched one of them 
gave testimony to the, to the Senate on YouTube. Yes. I watched Essentially that well. begging for legislation to be put in place before it's too late, right? Yeah, he, <clears throat> I think it was him and a, uh, I think it was the CEO of OpenAI, I think, mm-hmm. was there as well. So he's like a tech CEO. But uh, yeah, very interesting. And there's like two, there's two things about it that are interesting to me. One thing that's interesting about it is the AI itself, which is very interesting from like a philosophical uh, and realistic, pragmatic point of view. Mm-hmm. And then the other uh, thing that is interesting to me is the corporations that are developing the AI and the way they are going about it. So I don't know. Well, maybe we can sort of talk about them both at the same time. I guess. It is terrifying knowing that the, um, the, which, which is what the thing that is shaping up to be one of the most powerful pieces of technology ever invented is solely being developed by major corporations. Or is that true? I don't know. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know if the the government is developing it with like a secret DARPA lab or something. But from like the publicly available stuff, it's all uh, it's all being developed by Google, OpenAI. Um, yeah, these these companies, Tesla is doing it with their cars. Do yeah, you think that at some point? there's either going to be one AI is going to emerge as the only one worth uh, using because it's just that much better. Or do you think there's going to be uh, a bunch of different major AI systems that people use for different things or a loyalty like brand loyalty, but (laughs) will it be end up being like, you know, Google's AI once it becomes sentient, it, it, it's, you know, at war with uh, China's AI. (laughs) yeah uh i i would think that there's gonna be well i think there's gonna be tons tons of ais that ordinary people don't ever use and those will all be like tools for businesses and stuff um yeah like we wouldn't we wouldn't have to use and then like at the consumer level i think there i don't it's interesting it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out because you kind of feel like whoever gets there first gets gets everything, but it does feel like that. I think that's why they're blowing past all these um, kind of. Oh, maybe we should be. It, there doesn't seem to be enough caution uh, in the speed at which everything's being done. Well, it's that's what's that's one of the most interesting things to me is like they are they the the people who are sounding the alarm the loudest about it are the corporations themselves that are making the products to the extent that I think they even asked uh, like Joe Biden to like put a pause on AI research or something like they need to hold, hold us back, bro. Like, like that kind of thing. (laughs) I'm about to to bring Frankenstein to life and I can't stop myself. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and that's like, strange to me because it's like they're saying like look we're developing something that's so terrifying that you need to stop us but doesn't shouldn't that, then the, like doesn't that mean we should actually be afraid of the people developing it well doesn't that isn't that a testimony to what a monster corporations have become is that the people that run them are afraid of them <laughs> 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 like 
the corporations are like becoming their own entity, like out of control of any human, like just oh. the system of like the, you gotta, you gotta make a profit. You can't just not uh, develop a, an emerging technology because someone else will. So you have to, it's like the, the, the whole idea of a corporation has made it. So like even the people run at the top of them can't do anything to stop the machine. That's just trudging along forward without any regard yeah. for what the implications could be. Oh yeah. It's like the, it's like the uh, Skynet robot at the beginning of Terminator, just crushing skulls beneath its tank treads. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, that, that, there is, there's no like I'm sure there's some really evil CEOs out there, but I think like once you have a massive corporation in momentum, it's something that is very hard to stop. It's like a super organism, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's wild because people are like so concerned about like AI's like the end of the world, but like look what is what is bringing about this is like these you literally can't control these corporations, like you're saying. No, and maybe that's what we should really be afraid of. And like they, I was, they're like, I think someone was like, we shouldn't connect AI to the internet. That's already been done. We shouldn't allow AI to like teach itself. That's already been done. It's like all these, and it's like now, so many people have access to it and like can develop it. And now, like the the, I guess the the uh, the the cat's out of the bag as to how to make these uh, AIs. That if you kill one, another will take its place right like mm -hmm. you can't unlearn what you learned right yeah well i, I do have one like my tinfoil hat putting on my tinfoil hat um, mine's been on all year dude <laughs> <laughs> putting on my tinfoil hat i would say that the only reason these companies are trying to like get regulated and in fact the specific regulation that they asked for was very interesting. They wanted the government to create like a license that you get to develop AI and that, uh, and that would control. It. And that's like, that is like how you start a monopoly. Yeah. Or get Who a decides who's qualified really to get a license, right? Yeah, exactly. So they're like, they're, they're going doom and gloom so that, so here's my conspiracy theory. The companies are going doom and gloom to force the government to regulate them and create licenses that highly restrict who can develop AI. And then they're just going to use this to uh, completely destroy the film industry, the music industry. They're just going to destroy entertainment industries and disrupt them with AI generated entertainment and make mm -hmm. fuck tons of money. But in the end, they're not going to like swing elections or run the world or anything like that. It's just going to be a huge money making. Sure. Thing. Well, the guys on the AI dilemma, they really didn't even spend any time on AR, uh, AI generated art. Really? That wasn't their concern at all. I mean, at the end of the day that fucks over artists, but it's not going to threaten humanity. It's the other stuff they were talking about. <laughs> that was really concerning. AKA yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. being able to produce uh, video and audio so accurately of someone that like the extrapolating to the extreme, I could imagine get to, getting to a point where you cannot believe anything you see is real on the internet. Then not only on the internet, but TV, the only thing you can really trust is if it's happening uh, in front of your eyes, which would mm -hmm. lead to the internet essentially becoming so unreliable that you cannot go to it for information because all the information can be false or there'll be so much 
good information and bad information mixed together that it's just impossible. And there's no way to tell, you know, a, a video of, you know, uh, Joe Biden killing a puppy with his own hands. And like, it would be so accurate to it being real that how do you say it's not besides it being just an outrageous example, but you know what I mean? And it's like, then at that point, is the internet going to have to essentially be shut down and rebuilt with like, a I don't know how you like, like it's one of these technologies where it's, I can't imagine uh, going backwards at once it's been discovered. And when you get to a <laughs> point where anything you see on a screen could be real or could be fake, then things are going to get a very, very, very confusing and uh, uncertain. Yeah, that was, uh, that seemed like one of the big things they were talking about. It was the, uh, Miss the the fake news uh, problem, the misinformation yeah. problem. Yeah, and when, yeah, that's like, a, right now it's like most of us are just like we need photos or you know pics or it didn't happen. But now it's like I can generate a video. Well, not right now, but in a couple of years, you'll be able to generate a video of anyone doing and saying anything. Yeah, like that's that could that could happen. Yeah. I think it will happen. The, the, the jump in, right? They already are making like, you know, you can write prompts and you get a nice image. Well, they're doing prompts that generate whole uh, clips, video clips with audio and everything now, just from prompts. Yeah. I mean, that would be wild. So, uh, so yeah. So let's look at, uh, let's, let's frame their argument. They have a three point argument um, that they start this with. And it sort of, is a good way to frame the discussion. So they say premise one is when you invent a new technology, you uncover a new class of responsibilities. So when you invent cars, you have to also invent the rules of traffic, seatbelts, safety, things like that. Yes. Emission laws. <laughs> yeah. Drunk driving laws. Yeah. Drunk, dr yeah. Um, number two, if that technology confers power, it will start a race. So that's pretty obvious. We've seen that with tons of technologies, cell phones, smartphones, game consoles, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, number three, if you do not coordinate, the race ends in tragedy. I mean, one example of that, that is, I don't know if tra tragedy might be a, a strong word, but social media has definitely got a much larger negative component to it than anyone could have guessed when it first came out. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, and that, that's the example they use is that social media started off very cool, uh, but we didn't really uh, coordinate it very well, didn't adopt the responsibilities that were needed in time. And so it's become kind of a clusterfuck. Mm -hmm. but it's, still, it's still not that bad for the most part, I think. I think it's pretty bad if you consider the political implications of it. The the. Mm -hmm. The, I, blame the, I blame Fox News for that, not social media. I well, Fox News has social media accounts that are that, True. it's the it's the clickbait advertising model that is really the problem. It's 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 the the bottom line of corporations is to make money for shareholders, and they know that anger generates clicks more than mm. positive news. And they know and, and fear. exactly fear. because they have a profile on everybody's likes and dislikes that spans decades. Some like over, like how long have you had a Facebook account? It's like, they know what you like and what you don't like. So they know how to make you mad. 
And it's very easy to make people mad with just a simple uh, headline that doesn't even have to be true. Truth doesn't even play a part into it anymore for the most part. There's a headline, you click it, that gives ad revenue to the whoever paid for ads, and that's the bottom line is that that's how they're making money. And then the algorithms have just kind of solidified into this is the best way to get clicks is to make people angry, and it does not matter if what you're saying to people to make them angry is true or not. And that is a big problem, and we're seeing the... I mean, the whole po- American political system is like steeped in this this division caused by that at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, uh, I don't know, in, in my opinion, social media is sort of like an accelerant that you throw on embers that are already smoldering and it kicks everything up into, into a big inferno. Yes, but, which is a problem. Embers are that's not a problem. As, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. But I don't think we solve society if by turning off Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat. But do you think that social media has been a net positive or net negative uh, for society at this point? Um, that's a really hard judgment. That's a really hard call to make. Um, I don't. Like the last time I lived without it, I was like a kid and my social media was, I guess, the phone book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but I, also- I think, I, honestly, I don't have as negative an opinion of it. Um, I think it's there's definitely bad things about it. And it seems like unrestricted access for kids causes a lot of depression. Um, it's just I, I have a really easy time coming up with the negatives yeah. for it, and well, I have yeah, a it, lot harder time thinking of the positives. Yeah, I mean, it's part of it is you kind of you kind of have to be savvy about how you use social media and not like slip into the like going down rabbit holes and believing mm-hmm. all this shit. And like, you have to exercise some critical thinking. But if you don't have that capacity for critical thinking and stuff, it can it can wreck you. But, but it can, uh, it's also because it's so constant every day. Like I would consider us as people that are not, we don't engage in social media nearly as much as a lot of people do. No, some people are very addicted to. Yes. And like, media, as, yeah. even as you're, if you, if you have your critical thinking, um, you know, hat on all the time, it's still, it's such a slow drip over years that you do have your opinions formed through social media, even if you're consciously aware of trying to avoid developing biases based on what you see on social media, but it's just such a constant, constant thing in everyone's lives that even if you have your defenses up, it's going to seep through. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it goes back to the, the first point I think it goes back to the first point where it's a new technology with a new class of responsibilities. And I think over time, as lawmakers finally aren't like decrepit dinosaurs who don't understand technology. Mm -hmm. I think as lawmakers become more savvy, people who grew up using it, it'll, the kinks will get ironed out over time. I think with social media until it's not as toxic. I could agree. The the reason I can agree with you on that a little bit is that people are now talking a lot more about the problems with social media than yeah, they were. We're, we're seeing years the ago. problems. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. maybe I'm looking at it too short sighted. Like you, 
like you're you're right because in in twenty years, it's not going to be the same uh, landscape as far as social media is right now. Like there's go- everybody's kind of catching on to uh, what what it is and the, the how it yeah. can trick. It's like you it's like stuff. smoke smoking cigarettes. Like for a while, people thought it was no big deal, but then slowly we sort of catch on and things change. Yeah. I think it's well, I hope like- you're right because it really it, it kind of seems like we're coming up to some sort of crest, uh, socially and technology wise, where yeah. big changes are about to happen, and usually there's going to be like kind of a bit of turbulence when stuff like that happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think it would be I don't know. I think it would be kind of pointless for us to get into debating like whether or not we think all of their predictions are going to come true. Like for mm. example, they, they predict AI will solve in this, in the AI dilemma, the presenters are very confident that AI can solve like all of the big problems of the world, like climate change. It can, they, they think it can solve all these problems. Um, like, and then there's, but then there's the dangers, like it can generate images of anything. We won't know what's real or what's not when we're looking mm-hmm. at the screen. But just setting aside all of that uh, for now, um, we can talk a little bit about the the philosophical nature of AI. Well, it is how, a philosophy and, and how podcast, it relates to the dilemma. so we should probably, yeah, we should yeah. probably do that. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's a in the philosophical literature, and let me pull up. This is actually one of the best articles I've read on uh, the Plato Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And it's by Selmer Bringsjord and Naveen Sundar Govindarajulu. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right, but they wrote it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, so, so they uh, they point out that there's basically in philosophy there's two kinds of AI. There's strong AI and there's weak AI. And the the AI dilemma on YouTube. They point out they are talking about weak AI. So a strong AI would be like an artificial general intelligence kind of thing. A strong mm-hmm. AI is a, well, actually, it's even beyond that. A strong AI in philosophy is phenomenally conscious and is, ba- and is like a human in terms of its intelligence and its understanding. Right. It is like, it is like a person. It has the, it has those capacities and more. A weak AI is not conscious and only appears to have the intelligence of a, a human being. So that would be kind of like what we're seeing with chat GTP right now. It's like, yes, you can have a conversation with it that feels like it's a human on the other side, but I think most people would would not be totally fooled at this point. Yeah, you might you might not be totally fooled and uh but what's what's even more important is that the the strong AI um, is like intelligent. Maybe uh, it might be like intelligent in a way that is more is more like how we are intelligent, whereas weak AI just appears to be intelligent like we are. But it actually it might be reasoning in completely different ways. Right. Um, where I think what the chat GPT does is it's not, it, it just predicts what the next word will be based yeah. on how, how much content it's consumed. Uh, so, so anyway, but so, so the AI dilemma is all about these weak AIs 
and these turn it like, but these are like, they're called weak, but they're really actually really powerful. They're weak. Yeah. They're not, they're not general intelligence, like, you know, approaching sentience. They're just really good at doing certain things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so strong AI is like the singularity kind of thing where AI and becomes like self-aware and starts improving itself and then takes off and becomes God. Uh, that's 2029 that according, according to Ray to Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil, 2029. Yeah. Oh, he's freaking loving this shit right now. I bet. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, ironically, I, I don't think most AI from, from what I got reading this article, most people in AI aren't really big on the whole singularity thing. Oh, that's really? Real, they don't seem to think that's a real thing. Um, ah. at least not anymore. But I don't know. That could just be. That could it's just be. Uh, it's, Go it's watch Transcendent Man if you haven't seen it, folks. <laughs> it's a very interesting documentary. Was that the Johnny Depp movie where he becomes an AI? Uh, no, but I think that one actually is. So that movie might be based off this documentary about what Ray Kurzweil was predicting about the singularity. Oh, yeah. Tra- yeah, yeah. Right, right, Transcendent right. Man is a documentary about Ray Kurzweil's predictions of the future and essentially when we get to a point where. Uh, technology gets so exponentially advanced without the need for human help that it just becomes this thing that we can't even understand and essentially becomes a god and we're just become... It might decide we're not necessary. (laughs) Or in Ray Kurzweil, I think he predicts that you will merge with it and that humans will become like gods as far as living forever and being able to traverse uh, nice. the universe as if we were cool. invincible, which would be cool, but who wants to live forever? You know, who wants That's a to great live song by Queen. forever? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's got a good point. Can you imagine living forever? God, 30 yeah, years, 31 years. About that. Uh, yeah, um, great book. If you want to read a great book involving human mind upload to a computer, Children of Time great book children of time is that the one with the spiders yeah it's one spiders oh i read like uh, quite a bit of that ah all right well um yeah so we're not talking about that we're talking about other things self-driving cars these art generators um a lying machine that was something they mentioned in the ai dilemma so like a an ai model that can persuade people to believe falsehoods or some particular agenda Mm. and with their combination of voice and uh image ai you could imagine a machine that can just make a person who talks to you and just persuades you to believe uh whatever they want whatever it's programming any sort of piece of evidence uh it thinks you'll need to see to convince you yeah yeah um and they pointed out it can do that. This is like philosophically interesting. It can do that by modeling how you think. Hmm. Which, uh, if when humans model what other humans think, that's how we have we get what's called the theory of mind, where we we know that other people also have minds and that they also take in information from their environment and process it and make decisions. And that's how. Like that's a big part of how we interact socially and 
how we have morality because we know other people uh, have, you know, interests and desires and uh, thoughts yeah. and feelings. And so that brings us to the question, can you make moral AI? And would that solve problems? And what does that even mean, moral AI? I mean, it. it it's weird. It's like uh, they would have to be able to empathize, actually empathize, not simulate empathy, wouldn't they? Hmm. Yeah, like it kind of depends, I think, right? Because empathy would be important if you had like an AI that was like an AI therapist or something where it needs to understand what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. But for like, uh, say you've got like an AI combat drone that has like a lethal capability. Yeah. I don't know if, like, or like, for example, like a self-driving car that has to be pro that has to obey the rules of the road and not hit pedestrians. It doesn't really need empathy, but it needs to be able to have some rule programmed into it that it cannot harm people. Yeah. I mean, what happens when you put an AI vehicle that has to make a choice between two different groups of people that hurt, right? It's the thing where it's like the train on the train track dilemma where I kill one guy to save a few, like with, with a Tesla, in 50 years choose to kill, you know, would it have that capability to decide, all right, there's five people there, so I can't turn that way. There's only three people there, so I must choose them. But then, yeah, and should it prioritize then it realizes that one of the three people is, you know, the governor or something. <laughs> is it going to yeah. change course again? And then it realizes there's a it's baby so on the and then facial recognition worse. technology. Yeah. Oh my that's God, I mean. that's Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> And then it has, to check, it has to check all the latest news on what the general uh, public's opinion of Will Smith is Ooh, and how it all has to happen slap. in an instant. <laughs> Time for a slap back, motherfucker. If you, if you didn't slap Chris Rock, then I would be turning into this other crowd. But because of that, I'm turning into you. That's why, I, yeah, you know. And it can do these calculations in milliseconds. <laughs> yes. It, it, it runs all of these these factors into a, 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 an equation and then it decides which group of people to swerve into. Yeah, that's so funny. But there, there's actually, I don't know if it's still around, but there's actually a, uh, there was a website. I forget what, what it was through, if it was through like Berkeley or some university was doing something where you were, you literally looked at these scenarios of a car about to hit different groups of people like kids old lady doctor Mm -hmm. like stuff like that and you had to like pick where to send the car and that was like you were actually training the ai model basically oh my god um see the thing is is like as much as it sucks to say it's gonna be old people almost every time (laughs) because they've already lived their lives Yeah, these cars aren't these cars aren't gonna fuck around when it comes yes. to that. But um, <laughs> you kill the kindly old lady or the twenty-five-year-old uh, sociopath, right? Yeah, yeah. Facial recognition technology. It's like, yeah, oh, that it's guy like looking has at criminal your, record. It's pupils. <laughs> it's like it it measures the pupils of the person it's about to hit, and if there's not enough fear response, it just goes and hits them because they're like this person's a psychopath. <laughs> Uh, that's that's good. Uh, yeah. So, so the cars. That's like one. So, in a sense, that would be making the car a moral machine because you're training it how to make moral judgments. 
Uh, another one would be these art generators. So there was recently a man in Quebec was arrested. And I believe, I'm not sure like how his case is going or if it's finished, but he was arrested for using an AI image generator to create child pornography. Right, which was an inevitable inevitable outcome, which is going to be another thing with these video generation things. It's like you are going to be able to generate anything you can think of. And uh, then it's like, okay, for is it? It's wrong, but can you prosecute someone if no one was harmed? And if there was actually no children involved in the making of this stuff? Right. Weird. That's that's one thing, right? Because uh, the AI generates, well, it will it will generate it based. I think it generates it just based on the text. It doesn't actually look at images. Right. So it's not actually using real child pornography to make this fake child pornography, right? So so we hope. Yeah. So you um, hope, right? Because <laughs> um, that was uh, my brother was telling me about. There's like this famous streamer like my brother's like in the world of like he knows about like gaming culture and like twitch streaming culture and he said uh one uh streamer that was popular uh got caught using ai generated porn to look at um porn that looked like his buddy's girlfriend who was also a famous person on online so like the there was enough images of her out and about to make somehow make this porn. And he got in like, obviously they were like not friends after that because it's like, you're, you're, you're asking AI to make porn of me. And like, you're my, I'm your best friend's girlfriend. Like that stuff's going to start happening too. And that's weird as fuck. Yeah. So, so the question is, can you, can they, uh, build into AI a sort of way where it knows not to generate certain images based on certain text prompts. And I think it seems like it seems like that's not really a big problem for like chat GPT anyway, because there's lots of questions that you can ask chat GPT and it'll say like, I can't answer that because it goes against my, uh, I don't know what it says if you ask it to like, I've, I've run into hateful things or something. Well, I've, I've asked it to write jokes um, as an experiment. So I was like, write me a joke about cancer. And it's like, I can't do that because it's just too sensitive a subject. And I was like, okay, well, write me a joke about car crashes. And it's like, so many people have lost people to car crashes. It's not a great topic to write a joke about. But I'll hmm. write it. And I said, ask, write me a joke about drug abuse. And it gave me the same thing. It's like, it would not write me a joke about something that was dark. Interesting. So it's not taking Anthony Jesselnik's job anytime soon. <laughs> He's safe. <laughs> yeah. The king of, uh, what is he the king of? Roasts? No. He's the. Well, he is really good at roasts, but I, oh, I yeah. think of it. He's like a left turn comic is what I call him. Is it's oh, mis- right. mis- misdirection thing. He, he, yeah, yeah. He's, he's very good at the sly surprise. Yeah, I was watching him in an interview and he's like, I only want, like, I have no desire to write jokes that are like multiple minutes long. He's like, I want to write really good short jokes. That's like his thing. Yeah, I'm in that camp. I'm in that camp. You are in that camp? I feel like I'm in that camp most of the time. See, I'm not in that camp. Four or five sentences, max. 
That's still longer than I think. <laughs> well, well, I think his his is more like one to three liners. That's the best, right? Set up, uh, t- twist, punchline, or whatever. Not yeah. for me. I like because if I look at like so my the guy I think is probably one of my favorite joke writers, and this is no no surprise to anyone knows me is Bill Burr, and his jokes are, you know, they're you know five minute chunks a lot of the time, going yeah building an idea up and making it and building it and building and ramping it up until it reaches this like crazy crescendo or like Tom Segura's stories. They are like long stories. Yeah. I, Jack, I've do, seen Jack Hirschfield. He's been very good at these jokes that build up. And then all yes. of a sudden it's just like laugh, laugh, laugh. Yeah. Yeah. That Jack Hirschfield's good with that. Like lots. And then, but like his like kind of, counterpart that's the same genre but maybe on the short joke side is kyle Patton, right kyle Patton's material is all short yeah exactly yeah yeah i feel like i don't know i think it depends on on who you are as a comic and what how your brain works but definitely your there's anything wrong with too. either style but no i think there's lots of hilarious uh comedians on both sides of that spectrum yeah. And maybe, maybe not for long. Maybe, maybe AI comedians are coming. I mean, they're definitely going to be here. <laughs> I just, I just don't know if they can really simulate, because uh, comedy is one of those art forms where it's like you almost need to know what it's like to be a human to really pull it off. Whereas like music and painting and visual art, you can really kind of just look at what other people are doing and then, and then kind of emulate it. I don't know about that. Lots of people come up with the same joke through parallel thinking. That's true. So there's clearly, there's, they're out there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like AI uh, comedians are going to be very hacky uh, hacky. (laughs) for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll take a while for it to be smart. Um, It's not like they have any actual unique life stories that they can pull from. I mean, they could tell you about the 85 billion articles that they read recently, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think they're going to become pretty confident observational humorists. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they have a reminds me of the time for literally anything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're gonna have like a good solid couple minutes on toasters, and like <laughs> I think that'll be at like the limit. But they're not gonna be able to tell you what it's like to be in an argument with your wife or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we're wrapping up. We got about fifteen minutes left. Um, we can talk a little bit, I guess, now um, about. Hmm. I don't know. Should 13, we push back? Saying I got 13 minutes. I got oh, 13? 13 minutes okay. left. So I don't know what's up with this program, but it like gives me a solid time limit now. Oh, okay. Yeah, 13 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It might be, it might not be worthwhile to, to speculate a lot about whether AI will destroy everything um, or whether it'll, reach godlike levels from what i can tell reading this article which i admit was last updated uh oh when was this last updated 
Oh, this was from 2018. All right, never mind. Um, oh fuck, dude! You can't take anything that that it says. No, no, I, I can I can take a lot of it seriously, but uh, AI news is outdated. With they didn't have ChatGPT yet. They didn't know about that yet. Oh my okay, god! No. This whole episode's been a waste. No, 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 no! It hasn't been a waste. The only the only thing is that may not be worth talking about is at the end they they're not super worried about it. Um, but uh, but but anyway, the uh, the last thing maybe we can talk about. Uh, that's interesting, and that is uh, this thing called the Chinese Room. Have we talked okay. about this before? I don't think so. The Chinese got Room. Eleven minutes. Let's hear it. Okay, so this is this is not an argument really against artificial intelligence, but it uh, it's like a classic argument that you'll never be able to have um, strong AI. Okay. And so here, here's so strong AI is like the the godlike conscious yes. artificial intelligence. Um so here's the argument. Imagine that you let's say it's you, Jordan. You are in this room mm-hmm. and you have a job. People on the outside of the room push these little cards into the room through a slot and they're covered in Chinese writing. And you can't understand these things at all. But you have this huge rule book. And this rule book allows you to take any Chinese text that you get through the slot. And it allows you to create a response to that text based mm-hmm. on following the rules for which characters to pick. You don't speak any Chinese. But by following the rule book, you're able to put together the response and put the card out to the person who is on the other side. Right. So basically what's happening is people on the outside, Chinese speakers, are putting Chinese questions into this box. And then a few minutes later, an answer in Chinese comes out of the box. And it's mm-hmm. the right answer. The person inside the, the box does not know Chinese. Exactly. To the From the outside, it seems like, wow, this box understands Chinese. Mm-hmm. But actually, on the inside, the box does not understand Chinese. It's just sort of... Uh, dumbly going through uh, this, just following this rule book. And so because because it doesn't actually understand anything that it's doing, it's it's not strong AI. It's not genuinely like us in its intelligence. It doesn't actually understand the language. Right. It needs the rule book. Not until it starts pushing shit out that's completely against what the rules say. Can you be like, okay, something's going on here? Yeah, exactly. So, like, if it starts operating outside of the rule book, then maybe that's a sign that something interesting is happening. (laughs) Yeah. So this, uh, so this is like an interesting argument because from the article it says, you know, of course, the AI researchers think that no 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 it it really is or they they don't think this is like an accurate depiction of the practice of artificial intelligence and all of the the things that it does but i well, think the could point they just still say stands. could they just say that chinese speakers are doing the same thing uh in their heads yeah well yeah that is a that is a response to the the chinese room thought experiment mm-hmm. is that 
sure the guy walking around doesn't understand, but the entire room understands. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also kind of reminds me of the argument because uh, there, there was like a lot of up, uproar about the AR art because the way that it generated their art was it was scraping data from a bunch of existing art, right? And then using that to make its image. And people were saying, yeah. well, that's stealing. But that's what humans do to make art too, is you're taking influence from things you've seen in the art world or in our case the comedian world we're taking influence from a bunch of stuff that's already been done before and just making our own our we're taking that information and using it for our own creation which is sort of like stealing too so it's like is there that big of a difference there like as far as like the chinese box uh, as long as like like is the are the people that Say someone who's learned Chinese, it's not their first language. They're pro- they kind of have a little rule book. They're probably checking through quickly before they're, you know, replying in Chinese. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how much different is that really than actually knowing how to speak Chinese? Yeah, no, like you're, that is exactly, I don't know who first came up with that, but that's exactly a response to the argument is that, um, are this is actually how our brains work just computationally no individual neuron knows what's going on yeah but all of them together understand yes yeah. everything's coming together and then it comes out as if as if there's some sort of universal understanding happening inside but really it is just a bunch of switches switching on and off yeah so um yeah, so that's that's basically the gist of that. And I, I kind of agree with you. I think the argument ultimately is interesting in that it forces you to really think about how reasoning works. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like, the proof is in the pudding. Like, we can yeah. see that AI is capable of, as a tool, is capable of yeah. really amazing things. And it it's like matter. when you get to the point really where, when you get to the point where there is an, an AI that is, so convincingly human to, to, to and like it can do everything a human can do and more and including empathize and like be like a companion or whatever everything about it is so convincingly human it doesn't really matter if the mechanism inside is sentient truly sentient as long as yeah. it, as long as everything that happens on the outside is emulating sentience it doesn't matter whether it actually is or actually isn't yeah, so that's sort of where uh, that's where the article where this article ends, basically, with this question. Like, yes, it's true, the weak AIs are gonna disrupt the world a lot, um, but it it's it's it seems confident that we can control them just as we've controlled every other technology we've come up with. Without, you know, I think race. that we might be going into a. I, I think it's going to have a bigger effect on civilization than uh, people are going to be ready for. Hmm. That's my 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 uh, thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if then... I think back on everything, like the internet, no one knew how. Like no one really kind of. We had the internet, and then we had social media. Those were the two big things, I think, that were invented in my lifetime. And both of those things ended up being a way bigger deal than people realized at first. And now we got this thing 
where we're like, holy shit, this is going to be a big deal. So it's either going to be either a really not big deal or it's going to be a huge, huge deal. That's what I think. I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> well, it's a very lame take, Sam. Let's yeah. get extreme here. <laughs> okay, so so we, we 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 know for sure. It seems for sure weak AI is going to come and it's going to be a, a very big deal. Um, but it remains a totally open question as to whether strong AI or like a conscious AI that doesn't just appear to have the intelligence of a person, but actually has the same mm-hmm. kind of intelligence that we have. Yeah. But I think that like I agree with you. That's, level. that's still up in the air, but I think that weak AI is going to be, uh, an obvious misnomer very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have to change the term <laughs> to something. more. <laughs> I think the, the weak AI is going to be enough to, up to kind of ca- cause a major upheaval in how civilization uh, actually operates, but I, I kind of hope I'm wrong because like big change is fast or scary and uh, cause a lot of anxiety. So I hope it is a gradual integration type thing, and it's mostly better than bad. But we'll see. All right, I'm gonna. This is that. That's it. That's our. We don't have any more time left. So uh, <laughs> keep on listening, right. folks. And this, this was a real podcast. This was a real podcast. This, this not was not AI. AI gen- and I know that's what an AI would say to you to convince you, but don't believe it. I can, I'm, uh, fuck. See, this is going to be a problem. There's going to be 20 different versions of our podcast out there. But on the bright side, one day we'll just say generate episode computer and it'll be me and you doing a very interesting podcast and we never actually have to speak. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. Bye. All right. See you.